I did make mention a little bit earlier this morning about the situation where we've had a press release come through from the Northern Territory uh, government a little earlier today, just letting us know about these changes when it comes to uh, domestic violence and providing the opportunity for Territorians to certainly have their say. So the Northern Territory Labor government say that they plan to improve their justice response to domestic and family violence and uh, it's now open for review with the Domestic Family Violence Exposure Draft Bill now online. The government says the Justice Legislation Domestic Family Violence Bill modernises, restructures and strengthens the Domestic and Family Violence Act of 2007 to bring it in line with best practices and address inconsistencies in the current Act. Now joining me on the line to talk a little bit more about this review and uh, and well the various areas that we may need some further looking into from the top end uh, Women's Legal Service CEO Caitlin Weatherby Fell. Good morning to you, Caitlin. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, Caitlin, obviously it seems like this is a step in the right direction with the Domestic and Family Violence Exposure Draft Bill now open for comment. Have you had much of an opportunity to have a look at exactly what the Northern Territory Government's proposing? No, not as yet. We've just, the sector has just received a copy of the bill, which is 82 pages this morning, just before eight o'clock. So looking forward to making some time to go in depth on the exposure draft and certainly welcoming the nearly two and a half, two and a half month turnaround time um, for the discussion paper and for feedback. So quite a bit of time to, to be able to provide that feedback and really go through it all, get through the, the, you know, the nuts and bolts of everything, because this is an area where we need to get it right, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, domestic and family violence um, is across the Northern Territory. Um, every year for nearly, I think, three years, the, unfortunately, the Territory has worn the crown under the ABS statistics for the highest rates of domestic family and sexual violence. So the legislative supports around DFSC are just so critical to ensuring that particularly women and their children are safe. Now, one of the areas, uh, well, there's there's four areas by the look of things where they have said uh, that, the, that the key features of the bill are, uh, they include measures to address the misidentification of parties, uh, greater and stronger protection for victim survivors, as well as greater and more consistent offender accountability and improved clarity and scope for courts and police powers. Caitlin, from your perspective with the Top End Women's Legal Service, um, you know, how important and, and taking a look at those different sort of areas that they've touched upon, where do you think we need to see some changes or what does need to happen here? There absolutely needs to be greater and stronger, stronger protection for victim survivors, Katie. Currently, um, women and their children are often involved in proceedings where there may not be the correct provisions in place for a domestic violence order or where there's not been adequate information provided to the court during that process. And certainly, all of those four things actually interrelate to each other. Mm -hmm. So in respect of misidentification of parties, we commonly at Women's Legal Service will see a misidentification of the primary aggressor. Um, and so police may attend upon a situation, you'll have an incredibly heightened, um, I'll take into it, I'll give the example here of a female and a male, and a male relationship and yeah. noting that um, in terms of intimate partner violence, women are disproportionately impacted in terms of those experiences. But you'll have police attend, they'll attend upon a really heightened woman who is experiencing trauma. And because of 
um, that trauma, they'll say, oh, okay, this must be the person who's perpetrated the violence. She's the one who's heightened. She's the one kind of, you know, really distressed. It must have been her. And so these, um, well, certainly the changes that were up for um, response by the sector late last year, our response was, great, there needs to be really clear provisions and clear guidance within legislation to the judiciary around being able to make sure, okay, so who here is actually the primary aggressor instead of having a situation where you have two parties and the easiest um, outcome is for both parties to just have a DDO respectively. That's not right. It's not right that um, a woman should be subject to a domestic violence order if she's the victim survivor. Caitlin, will there be other areas where you will certainly be advocating for or pushing for some change? Um, We really welcome the inclusion of police certificates, which is around uh, there being additional information to hand for the court and certainly around being trauma-informed for persons involved in domestic family sexual violence proceedings in not having to relay and replay uh, their history. Uh, We're also really welcoming coercive control not being criminalised in the Northern Territory, which is something that is really a hot debate across the country, but certainly um, the evidence before the Territory is that if we were to criminalise coercive control currently, it would disproportionately impact women and particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women in terms of that misidentification. And so really welcome coercive control being included as a definition in the Act, but not being criminalised. Are you able to just explain that a little bit further for our listeners who maybe don't understand just what that means? Yeah, sure. So across Australia, there's debate with respect to coercive control criminalisation. And so coercive control is around the overarching um, impact of domestic and family violence around all those other things that aren't physical violence, that are, that isn't emotional or financial violence, but things over a pattern of time. And so across the country, there's debate around do we criminalise coercive control or do we just say it's part of DV? And in the Territory, particularly because of um, the nature of violence and the high levels of violence, and certainly in terms of our first responders currently, The system, unfortunately, isn't getting it right. And so to introduce a new criminal component, the research currently tells us that that will disproportionately impact women who are the primary victim survivors. And so to include it only in terms of definitions of domestic violence is the best way to go, as well as to absolutely make concerted efforts to increase support and training for frontline service providers, including police and health, so that we're making sure that we're giving support to people who need it. Well, Caitlin, it does sound like there is quite a bit of of work that is going to happen before this legislation passes through the Northern Territory Parliament, and uh, it is always a good thing uh, to have that consultation. So no doubt, uh, I'm sure you'll be going through, did you say it was those 82 pages? It's quite a bit of, uh, of detail to get through. Yes, yes, it is. It is. But looking forward to getting into the nitty gritty, certainly um, making time for it is always really troublesome, considering that most frontline specialist DFSB mm. providers don't receive specialist funding for things like policy. Yep. But this is this is the type of consultation that has real impacts on the community and our client base. So something we'll be making the time to go through 
really well yeah. um, providing that response ahead of the August turnaround. And Caitlin, I guess it is something that we hear so often about, um, you know, our high rates of domestic violence here in the Northern Territory. I've no doubt that the top end women's legal service uh, that you guys, you know, you, you see this um, all too often and it, it does seem as though we need to, to really do some serious work to try to minimise what we are experiencing. Absolutely, absolutely we do and that's a whole of community response and the Northern Territory Government has just released their Action Plan 2 for consultation and certainly there's the Commonwealth Government's National Plan which speaks to that DFSB is a community issue, not just in our homes issue, but part of those long-term change includes really significant and additional funding for specialist DFSB providers to enhance services too often currently we are turning women away who are seeking help, seeking help to get things like a domestic violence order because we are simply over capacity yeah. and there is nothing worse nothing worse for a specialist DFSB service to turn someone away oh, and we are just doing it too frequently. Yeah, it would be a horrible situation to be in having to turn someone away who you know really needs that help. Yeah, absolutely. And for the client's experience, you know, where, where does she go? Because there are specialist services who have staff who are trained to provide trauma-informed and culturally secure services, if they're not available, where does she go? And the answer is nowhere. She's, she's kind of stuck in this limbo system and really, you know, can be involved in a court process where mm. there could be systems abuse, a court process that's initiated by the perpetrator of violence where she's unable to access legal help because those legal services are just under the pump. Well, Top End Women's Legal Service CEO, Caitlin Weatherby-Fell, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat with us. I understand, uh, as you've touched on, you know, you have really just had that meeting uh, with the ministers. So we appreciate you coming on and, and explaining this all a bit more to us. Thanks so much, Katie. Thank you.